You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a podcast that's all about supporting parents as they bring up children. We've got experts and advice to help you through the more challenging bits of parenting. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Has your child ever complained of having a sore tummy? Chances are the answer is yes. My daughter is constantly saying she has a sore tummy or that she feels sick, and I really don't know why. Now we have more and more research about how our gut health can have an impact on other facets of our life. I'd like to know more about what could be happening for our children. Karina Savage is a paediatric gut health dietitian at SmartBite, and she joins me now in the studio. Hi, Karina. How are you? Hi, I'm very well. Thank you. How common is it for children to complain about having a sore tummy? Look, I think there's, and certainly from having children myself, it's a tricky one because my daughter certainly presented as having a sore tummy sometimes when she was just simply sick and often that's a way of communicating them feeling unwell. However, there is also a, a rise in tummy troubles in children these days and certainly we need to pay attention to ongoing tummy troubles because it certainly could be an intolerance that we, we need to address. So when is it something that you should either seek medical advice or go and see a dietitian? Or, or even would you suggest bypass a GP and go straight to a dietitian? Yes, yeah, certainly someone specialised in the area like myself, I think that then you can go direct. But often the first port of call is uh, to talk to a GP about the concerns about your child. Look, it, it really depends on the age. We I see babies with colic and reflux and cow's milk protein allergy right through to toddlers with diarrhea and tummy pains through to teenagers with what we'd call irritable bowel. And certainly with all of those cases, we have different presentations in terms of the symptoms. So if your little one has ongoing tummy pain, and it, it's a gut intolerance issue, often they will have other symptoms as well, such as um, a lot of uh, bloating, a lot of gas, a lot of flatulence, very smelly flatulence. Uh, and sometimes their poos are very different. So often they can be quite loose and runny. Certainly in babies, they may then get a nappy rash. Um, but then some children are the opposite and they are prone to constipation. So there's a huge range of symptoms, but often with the tummy pain come some of these other gut symptoms. What are the more common complaints you might see in a child that's challenges with their, that has challenges with their gut health? What are the more common things that you see in practice? So the most common presentation that I would see in that sort of three to six-year-old age group is a tummy pain, bloated belly and loose poos. And so urgent loose bowel actions. I mean, some children that I see in my clinic can't get off the toilet for the first few hours in the morning. And that's debilitating. It's debilitating for their self-confidence. They struggle to go to school. Some teenagers certainly that I've worked with have missed semesters of school because they can't control their bowel actions and they just feel so rubbish. So by working out what their food intolerances are, we we really change their life because we fix their gut health. We give them the confidence back with their bowel habits. Their parents know what to feed them and we can still give them plenty of fibre-rich plant foods, but just not the ones that are causing them problems. Someone once said to me as well that a child might feel nervous or might have a stitch, but they still don't understand. They don't have the body awareness to know 
that's actually a stitch, not a sore tummy, or they're just nervous, not a sore tummy. Do yeah. You, do you have, have you found anything like that yeah. when people come to your clinic, or is it normally only when they've had a, 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 a problem? Certainly, I have seen children whereby we're trying to work out whether it is an anxiety or whether it is a true tummy pain. And that's where sometimes doctors might run some blood tests just to check that everything's okay. But often you can't work out these food intolerances or usually you can't through a blood test. So it's really about trying to troubleshoot and work out whether it's it's an anxiety issue or a food issue. And it's really talking to the parents, looking at the history of the child's, I guess, gut health to, to, to now because... There's certainly the first thousand days of a child's life that will influence how the gut and the immune system develops. And we certainly want a a robust colonization during that first thousand days to enable lifelong gut health. And there's certain factors that will influence uh, influence the development of it to, I guess, predispose to a a dysbiosis where the, the, the microbiome might not be as balanced as we would like. And so I always ask about those factors. Uh, how has the child been born? Were they formula fed or breastfed? How, were they um, exposed to a lot of antibiotics? Have they had bad gastro bugs? Because all of those factors can then paint a picture which then help you come up with a bit of a, not a diagnosis, but more of an idea as to whether it could potentially be a gut issue or uh, an anxiety or, or another issue. So that's interesting um, because I know when I was looking at this, I think my concern as a parent would be if I had a fussy eater, let's say I had someone who only ate white pasta for the first five years of their life um, but were otherwise healthy, I would be listening to this with interest, wondering whether um, fussy eating or selective eating in that way would have an impact on gut health. But you were sort of referring to things that were more about their um, bacteria in their tummy. Is that correct? Well, that first thousand days helps to shape. It sort of helps to create their their lifelong gut signature, so to speak, with the microbiome. Because really, by the age of three, your gut microbiota or microbiome becomes a bit more adult-like and set. However, lifestyle factors from this point are the main influence on the gut microbiota moving forwards. And certainly the biggest way we can improve and nurture our children's gut health is by giving them enough fiber in their diet. Okay. So um, what are your thoughts on probiotics for children? So I think probiotics are certainly beneficial with children that are more prone to a dysbiotic gut, so may have grown up uh, with a slight imbalance and they're needing that balance corrected to enable them to have a healthier gut moving forwards. There's definitely research linking a reduction in sickness in children attending childcare and uh, also a reduction in eczema and allergies with certain probiotics. So it's certainly an area where I would prescribe probiotics, or sorry, I would prescribe probiotics for certain situations. I don't think it's necessarily beneficial to all as a blanket, but we are learning more and more about the benefit of probiotics for certain situations. And so I certainly would recommend certain strains for certain situations, but you just have to be clever about what strain for what situation. It sounds like kind of getting to the bottom of your child's gut health issue if there is a challenge like you mentioned before, like a sore tummy coupled with diarrhea or a sore tummy 
coupled with the opposite, but other symptoms. It's not a quick fix, is it? No, and it's often really tricky to navigate because often you will present to, say, a GP and and them with the, the limited amount of time they have, it's it's tricky to work out whether it's, for example, chasmocalgia versus a lactose intolerance because the they might present with tummy pain, but the symptoms are, are a little different and the dietary management is certainly different. So trying to navigate that is tricky in a short period of time, which is why it's, it's good to come to someone like myself where, where we can sit down and say, right, what are your symptoms? Uh, take a food diary and we may need to actually go away and, and keep a food and symptoms diary to work out because commonly children have a problem with specific carbohydrate intolerances such as fructose or lactose that may be causing them tummy trouble and we can remove those or reduce them and and then really take away the symptoms for that child and it's a huge stress relief for the mum who's been going around in circles trying to work out what to do to help her child and we can really make a big difference which is so rewarding. There is, like I mentioned before, lots of research coming out about how gut health can impact overall health and well-being. What are your thoughts in terms of children and gut health and mood or um, potentially having anxiety? Yeah, I think there's certainly a link and the more we learn, I mean, we're still learning a huge amount and, and this will continue to come out, but there's certainly a strong link between the gut and the brain access and we we are certainly seeing a link between poorer gut health and um, anxiety and mood and, and certainly obesity and other conditions as well. So I think this is a watch this space area and it's continuing to emerge and evolve. But I'm very much of the belief that our gut is the centre of, of our health and that's not just our uh, physical health in terms of how we're feeling in our bodies, it's also our minds and our thoughts. So I think there's, a, there's a, more of a relationship there than we previously thought. And what about, um, I did ask you about probiotics before, but what about those foods that um, adults are encouraged to eat for a healthy gut? So for example, things like kimchi or <laughs> that's the only one I know. <laughs> Yeah, like I was going to say sauerkraut, kombucha, all of yeah, those. Yeah, all of those. Yeah, things. and again, they're just designed to nourish the good bugs in our gut. But really, I think what we need to realise is that the humble plant foods, such as broccolis and pears and peas and apples, those fibres are absolute king for our gut. Because if we don't put enough fibre into our gut, then the bacteria in our gut have to turn to actually the mucus in our gut to get that nutrition. And then that creates more of a leaky gut. So we need to put the good fibre into our body to keep that, I guess, that whole ecosystem happy and sound and simply eating good amounts of plant foods fruits vegetables whole grains nuts and seeds are absolute key sure if you can layer that with some extra um, of those other foods that's fine but we shouldn't we should really be focusing first on the foundation which is just a wholesome uh, plant-based diet and one thing I think that is tricky as us for us parents is a lot of those processed uh, children's snacks are very um, I guess the children love them they're quite salty they're quite low in fiber but they're quick quick and easy to grab and throw in the lunch box and in the school bag 
but they're not necessarily doing the best thing by our children's gut. So we really should be trying to limit those processed white foods and making some more muffins. And I know that's a little bit more time consuming, but simply putting in more whole foods rather than those processed foods can go a long way. So what about those children who have an aversion to fibre, who don't eat their vegetables? You spoke about the first thousand days being really important for gut health. Is If it was within those first thousand days that you couldn't get your child to eat some broccoli or, you know, you're finding it really hard to get that fibre into them, is there a gentle alternative to getting your child some fiber no and by the first thousand days really that's a lot of those factors as the child's growing up and and developing and and colonizing so that's where the the mode of delivery and and how they breastfed or formula fed although formula is now having more and more probiotics added to it and and i don't mean to make any mothers that can't breastfeed feel guilty because of course you know yeah they're doing the best they can but in terms of once they've hit three they it's still so crucial that they have fiber. So uh, we need to make sure that they're having a high fiber diet from then. So if they're really fussy up to the age of three and they don't eat a whole lot of broccoli or um, their fiber intake is still poor, if we can increase it from that point, then that's absolutely fine. I feel like we've got so much pressure on us as parents to get all the colors of the rainbow in by a certain age, but that's not realistic. And that's not necessarily going to mean that the children are going to live a healthier life like if we can get some of those colors in if we can get some fiber in then fantastic and it's just a a work in progress so if we can sneak extra things in through nuts and seeds and legumes into um, home cooked meals and baked goods and and work on the fruits and vegetables and I always when I see fussy eaters in clinic I say to their parents we always need to be adding in plant foods every single main meal and snack, just put it there. Repeated exposure is king. Even if they don't accept it now, don't pressure them, but they'll eventually take it. And if you're eating with them, that's also key. And they see you eating it and eventually they will like to eat it too. Children are naturally inquisitive and they will eventually expand their repertoire if we set up the right strategies, which is having set meal and snack times, eating with your children, no food wars, repeated exposure, have safe foods on their plate that you know that they like and can fill up on, but also those test foods on their plate every single time and those test foods are foods that you're eating with them and enjoying with them so we shouldn't feel at all worried if they haven't got enough fiber in their first three years because certainly from three for the rest of their life we've still got that opportunity to nourish their gut and make it as strong and robust as it can be and up to 80 percent of the immune system is in the gastrointestinal tract so from three onwards, if they're having a good fibre intake, then they're giving themselves the best opportunity to have a strong, healthy, robust immune system and a happy, healthy life. Karina, that's all been so fascinating. Thank you so much for coming in. That's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. That's Karina Savage. She's a paediatric gut health dietitian at SmartBite and we'll pop links to her website in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.